Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Every day, we make decisions on when to speak. Sometimes we are conscious of our decisions to speak. Sometimes we are not. If we are trained well, we will say please and thank you without giving it thought. We will also refrain from using God's name in frivolous ways, and we will not throw around four-letter words and other vulgar language. These ways of using God, our God-given voice ought to come easily if we have been training for years to speak rightly. However, without any training, we will naturally give in to Satan's temptations. Of course, without thinking, we may find ourselves doing the opposite of what we should. A sudden and bad surprise may result in unwholesome exclamations. We may forget to say thank you. And of course, some things require more thought. If we see a neighbor kid engaging in potentially harmful activity, do we say something to that kid or to the parents? Or do we know that the parents have already addressed the child? Or if we see someone doing something that may be sinful, should we remind that person that that is a sinful action? When people apologize to us, we need to be conscious that we are saying comforting words, words of forgiveness and reconciliation back to that person. Many times we do not say things when we should. We fear we are going to be that person. We don't want to create waves or ruffle feathers. We figure standing up to what is right will only cause hurt. As a result, we often don't tell people their sin is a sin, or we don't tell people that their ways are leading them to eternal death. We often look the other way until a person becomes so entrapped in his sinful ways that it may kill him, if not temporally, then eternally. As we prepare to celebrate the Christmas season, and as we engage in family celebrations, we may find ourselves doing this. A relative comes home bringing his live-in significant other with him, and instead of telling them of their violation of the Sixth Commandment, we conclude, it's Christmas. It's not the time to say anything. We figure that is far better than testifying to them the truth. And so we welcome them both, permitting them to share the same bed in our own homes, welcoming filthy immorality into our own homes. Or we house loved ones for the holidays who have no interest in matters of God, and we permit them to stay home from church. Or even worse, we stay home with them. Now, some do this because they're embarrassed by the church's biblical teaching on closed communion. Rather than teaching the loved ones why they may not commune at the moment, we avoid it altogether and forget that Christmas is primarily about going to church to hear God's word, that he fulfilled his promise to send his son into the world as a baby boy to take away the sins of the world. We practice closed communion not to judge others, but to prevent others from receiving the sacrament to their harm. St. Paul wrote that some were dying because they wrongly used the Lord's Supper, while others were condemned for not recognizing the body of Christ in the sacrament. Closed communion also reveals the sad reality that sin has caused, that many do not agree on the Bible's teachings. There are churches in our area who publicly support abortion, 
divorce, same-sex activity, cross-dressing, and harboring illegal aliens. There are churches in our area which go against God's word as they ordain women into the ministry, or they deny Christ's body and blood in with and under the bread and wine in the Lord's Supper, or they refuse to baptize babies, or they teach them that faith in Christ is not needed to obtain salvation. If we commune people who hold membership in churches which teach these unbiblical things, how are we not but profaning the sacrament and violating our Lord's teaching? Are we not inviting them into God's house and to hold to their false beliefs? Are we not playing lip service that we agree to their false teachings? Oh, they claim, but we're supposed to say nothing. We aren't supposed to create waves. We're supposed to be nice, whatever that means. But when we play nice in these ways, are we being faithful to our Lord? Are we not being unfaithful to them, our loved ones, to whom we should be testifying the truth to? Now God calls us to speak the truth in love, that we may grow up into Christ our head in every way. In fact, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. As stewards of the gospel, we are to be found trustworthy. They are accountable to God as they faithfully proclaim the saving word of God. This faithfulness comes with hardship and suffering, but it is worth it. For when souls are brought to Christ, they escape eternal punishment in hell and receive an eternity with Christ in perfection. St. Paul writes to the pastor named Timothy, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, which has now been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Just two chapters later, it is also written in 2 Timothy 3, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul himself was imprisoned a few times and beaten many times for being faithful. His sufferings often came from the Jews, his own people. In Acts 5, the apostles were beaten for preaching Christ Jesus as the way. Their response, as it is written, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Christ. Now, they could have kept their mouths shut. They could have weighed the consequences and, from a worldly standpoint, determined if such faithfulness was worth it. But they did not. Souls are more important than potential consequences. And plus, we believe and so we speak. When we pray matins or vespers, or an order for daily prayer as printed in our bulletins, we pray with King David, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. I encourage you all to pray this order for daily prayer daily or use matins and vespers in your homes. The psalmist also wrote, I will speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame. If we are so bold to speak God's word before kings as we pray that we do and as we are taught to do in the prayer book of the Bible, the Psalms, 
We are then with that same boldness to speak God's word to our family and friends whom we love. Now many won't hear the word, but that doesn't stop us. Governments had tried to stop the proclamation of the word, but God's people will not stop. We cannot allow our government to stop God's people from singing God's praises. We cannot allow our government to force Christian business owners to violate their consciences. We cannot allow our government to close our lips when addressing moral issues. Recently, a man pretending to be a woman set an Ivy League women's swim record. These so-called transgender rights are really a war on women. Last week, Canada passed a law that prevents churches and therapists to deal with same-sex attraction in a Christian manner. And sadly, 20 states in our own country already have similar laws. Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. God's response to such evil rulers who are opposed to the saving doctrine of Christ. Psalm 2 continues, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This also explains why we want to be so bold. Christ is for us. Who can be against us? He is the King on Zion, seated at the right hand of God. He lives and he reigns. God is still in charge. For God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Blessed are all who take refuge in Christ. Blessed are all who believe in Jesus, for he alone paid for our sins and reconciles us to our Father. He alone grants eternal salvation to all who believe. For Jesus alone paid for the sins of all people when he died in our place on the cross. Jesus is the coming one, the Lord's Christ, the King, who came as the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus loves us and laid down his life for us. Jesus brings joy and gladness to us, for he lives and reigns. John the Baptist was a bold proclaimer of the truth. He could have calculated his words to keep himself out of prison, He could have withheld the unpopular proclamation, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He could have kept his mouth shut before King Herod instead of saying, it is not lawful to marry your brother's wife. But John's faithfulness to Christ, which also means he was faithful to God's people, landed him in prison. John would be executed, beheaded, for standing up rightly to King Herod. This type of boldness is needed today. We ourselves cannot be wishy-washy, for we have promised before God at our confirmation that we will suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from Christ. This means we will always say the right thing 
instead of keeping our mouths shut. We will do the right thing when our families whom we love dearly attempt to bring their sinful lifestyles into our homes. We will confess the right things even when they take offense over our doctrine or practice. Our aim is not to somehow make ourselves out to be better than others. John wasn't trying to prove to King Herod of John's own righteousness. John wasn't trying to be better than the king. Instead, John was proclaiming what was right, guided by the word of God. And we as God's people do the same. Jesus prayed that we would agree on doctrine. He did so on the night when he was betrayed on Monday Thursday. This has always been a prayer of the church. For in Psalm 133 we pray, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. God grant that we remain faithful, just like John the Baptist, who has been received into God's eternal kingdom. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.